0: You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O,
1: D-O-D, D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S-T. Hello Dodger fans and welcome team to Lockdown Dodgers Part of the Lockdown O-M- Podcast O-M- Network, your team every day This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers Bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue I'm Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends And with me as always is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential How's it going Jeff?
0: I'm good Vince, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, you know, the Dodgers snap their losing streak. So it's a happy episode. And then we're, you know, so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about what you want to see from Clayton Kershaw tonight. And then our last part will be a tribute to Yasiel Puig ahead of his return to the ravine tonight. Uh, the good, the bad, and, you know, the not the ugly, I guess, uh, you know, just all encompassing. We're going to take some of your guys answers to your favorite preg moments and then we'll discuss our favorite pre moments and give yasiel his rightful due uh but first we're going to talk about sunday's win and clayton kershaw's first start so jeff i know you had some thoughts about the win on sunday
0: yeah it's too bad that they had to wait until sunday to break the losing streak uh obviously it would have been nice to win at least two or three against the brewers but uh they lost the first two, but the, the losing streak is over, so that's good. Uh, Sunday's game, it was just a total team victory. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter, Cody Bellinger, again, on base four times, and it's five times at the plate. The only time he got out, he struck out looking on a bad call, a pitch at his shins. Uh, he scored more runs personally than the entire Brewers team scored, and he didn't even make the top three for the, for the player of the game poll that the Dodgers put on Twitter because Alex Verdugo drove in the first two runs with a, a clutch two-out base hit, hit a home run later in the game. Uh, Ross Stripling pitched eight innings, allowed one run, was just dynamite, saved the pitching staff. After, they just needed that so much. Uh, and Chris Taylor even had a couple hits. And uh, that's something that we haven't expected much from Taylor lately so those three made the the poll and uh, you know you probably could have put a couple other people AJ Pollock had a big game had a couple big hits Uh, it was a total team victory today and that or I'm saying today I give up on trying to pretend that I'm recording this today you're listening to it Uh, but uh, it was really good to see and having the offense and the pitching come together at the same time was awesome
1: yeah so today's game was probably the first one I didn't see I saw maybe two innings at most I listened to it on the radio about half and then the other half I was following along on Twitter but yeah I mean I think for me stripling that was my I mean obviously (laughs) it hasn't been that long but that's a big 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 start that he provided for them they like you said they needed that Uh, even though they had called up Josh Spores to you know to settle down to set to send down Santana because he had pitched and they needed arms but to go eight innings and had the potential to go nine, but, you know, they didn't need him to to go nine, but he could have if they really needed it. Uh, I think that stood out for me, and that leads into our next part about Clayton Kershaw and what we're looking to see out of him in tonight's start.
0: Yeah, I think Stripling took a lot of pressure off Kershaw uh, because we we don't really know what to expect. Kershaw threw 80-something pitches in his last rehab start. He went six innings. Uh, but you know, we don't really know if Kershaw, uh, even if he throws 80, 80 something pitches uh, on Monday, uh, that might only be four innings, you know, depending on how sharp he is, depending on a lot of things. Uh, and so, I mean, the Reds aren't really a slouch team offensively, so we don't know what to expect. So stripling by saving the bullpen on Sunday so basically, the Dodgers have a fully rested bullpen. Jamie Schultz is the only reliever who pitched on Sunday, uh, so they have, you know, seven. Uh, I guess they haven't made the corresponding ro- roster move yet for Kershaw, uh, or as as at the time that we're recording this. So uh, I don't know who they will. I, actually, they might just send Schultz down. Uh, yeah, since that's what he I was thinking. On Sunday, so yeah, they're probably going to have eight rested relievers, uh, which is which is good. Uh, So even if Kershaw only gets through four or five innings, obviously we'll hope for six. Uh, But really, all I really want to see is Kershaw's slider working Uh, because we know he's not going to have uh, peak Kershaw velocity probably ever again uh, unless something drastically changes. And so he needs that slider to be working. He needs to be moving. He needs to be locating it. Obviously, the curveball and kind of using the the fastball as his third pitch instead of uh, as the pitch everything, and he showed last year he can be really effective with diminished stuff as long as that slider's working. So that's what I'm looking for on Monday.
1: Yeah, um, first and foremost, you know, if as long as his arm and shoulder and everything stays intact, uh, that's the ideal part. The slider is definitely something that he's going to need in order to be successful. I think and he might not be too deep into this yet because it's already in the season, but I'm going to be focused on his sequencing because it's like you said, with a diminished fastball, he can't necessarily always throw that first pitch fastball anymore like he used to. And we've seen kind of in recent years when teams have had success against Kershaw, it's usually early in the count jumping on that fastball, you know, hitting that first pitch and, and getting out and getting runners on base and kind of making them work. And, I think, I think that's what it, if if his stuff is working, then he's gonna need to mix in that slider first pitch. He's gonna need to mix in the curveball first pitch instead of trying to get the fastball over first pitch because, you know, he can't he can't throw ninety miles an hour to get it over anymore. So I think that's the main part I'll be looking for, uh, as well as, you know, maybe he maybe uh, something will happen and it will pop ninety three. But if not, if he can mix his pitches up and, and get everything working, then he'll be fine just like he was last year.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see. Obviously not maybe quite that good, but some version of the game two of the NLDS that we saw where he pitched a contact, was really efficient with his pitch count, got a lot of weak contact. I think there were three or four, you know, weak comebackers to the mound in that game. He only struck out, I think, three that game, uh, and he got through eight innings on... I think it's 90 ish pitches in that game. So I'd love to see something like that. uh, Even if it's not quite to that.
1: Yeah, it was a good way to end the weekend, even though it wasn't a good start to the weekend. And now the next segment, we'll talk about Yasiel Puig and, and everything that he comes with in his return to the ravine. Yes. Matt Kemp's returning, but he's already had a return. Yes. Alex Wood's returning, but I don't think we're any of us are attached to Alex Wood and, and Kyle Farmer. So we're going to talk about Peak. But first, we want to remind you to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers. You can do so on the new Himalaya app that we've been telling you about. And hopefully you've tried out and you liked it. If you have, then keep using it. If you haven't, give it a try. Or, you know, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us on there. You know, change is hard, but you'll like the switch to Himalaya. So try
0: it out. All right, let's take a quick break. For the next minute or two, We're going to talk about S-E-X, so if you have any K-I-D-S in the C-A-R, go ahead and plug their E-A-R-S for a minute, okay? Hope I spelled all those words right, and I hope you could tell what they meant. Uh, Have you ever gone to the barber and wondered why there's a bunch of gray hairs on the ground when they're done cutting your hair? Or have you ever played catch with your son, and then you feel like a truck hit you for the next couple days? Or maybe, when it comes to the sexy times, are you maybe just maybe a little less always ready to go than you were when you were younger. Don't answer those questions out loud and please do not tweet your answers at us. It's none of our business. In fact, to quote Michael Jackson from back when we were allowed to acknowledge his existence, ain't nobody's business, but mine and my baby. That's where bluechew.com comes in. If you want to increase your performance and get some extra confidence in bed, check out BlueChu. That's Blue, as in I Bleed Dodger Blue, and Chew, as in Madison Bumbarner, likes to chew out opponents who pimp homers or flip bats or look at him because he's a crybaby and a stunted, immaturity, whatever he is. Ugh. Anyway, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work, but the best part is... Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, It's for any guy who wants a boost in the bedroom, either in quality, quantity, or both. I mean, I obviously don't have any problems in that department. I don't mean to brag, but I do have three whole kids. But I have to admit, even I am a little bit intrigued. So anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Dodgers. We are back, and we are here to talk about Yasiel
1: Puig. Uh, If you know me or if you followed me, you know that he's probably, not probably, he's been my favorite player since he came up. Uh, I remember when they signed him out uh well they found him in mexico and obviously he he got to mexico via cuba and he's he's a polarizing player and we're not going to just bring the positives we're going to you know bring all sides of yasio puig and try to bring that perspective and you know see how we feel and see how the f- fans feel we actually asked the fans uh to give us your favorite peak moment so we're going to go through that we're going to give our favorite peak moments and just talk about him as a whole so, Jeff, where should we start?
0: Yeah, one thing that jumped out at me about these uh, listener favorite moments is uh, how we misremember some of the things that uh, Puig did. For example, one listener's favorite moment uh, at Peace Joe 24 when the Dodgers went 42 and 8 in his first 50 games with the team in 2013. Uh, it's funny how history has been rewritten to. Reflect that. Uh, but that's not how it happened. Uh, Puig made his debut on June 3rd. And if I remember right, let's see. The Dodgers 42-8 and stretch began on June 22nd. So, uh, Puig's first games went win-win-loss, win-win. So, that's a good start. Four out of five. Then three straight losses, then a win. Then two straight losses, then a win. Then two more losses, then a win. Then two more losses. So, uh Yeah they They were below five hundred for the first um seventeen games of Puig's career, and then they went on that forty two and eight run it does doesn't mean he wasn't the catalyst of the run but uh it it does kind of get rewritten that's kind of the accepted history these days is that Puig came up and the Dodgers went on a run and it didn't quite happen that way uh so that always makes me laugh the other one. Along those lines is uh, at Cowboys eight zero five one three favorite moment. his debut. he hit back to back homers. No, he didn't. Uh, he did hit two home runs in the second game. Uh, his first game, he had uh, two hits and made the the game ending play caught a ball at the wall and gunned it into first for the game ending double play. Uh, with Dave Roberts coaching first base for the Padres. So uh, that was a fun game. So And, yeah, Puig's first week was crazy. He had two home runs in his second game. Uh, he hit, I, th- I believe, one of those was a – no, his grand slam was a couple days later, right? Or was it yeah, his second?
1: No, his grand slam was after his two home run game.
0: That's right. So, yeah, his fourth game he had a grand slam. He had f- uh, four home runs in his first five games. So, yeah, he, he came out – came out hot Uh, his batting average didn't drop below 400 until his 35th game so he uh he definitely came out hot
1: yeah and the other part about 2013 that's always funny is yeah we came up and that's sort of when the turnaround started but i mean hanley ramirez had more of a a hand in that than yasiel puig did but you know i'm not gonna shade yasiel puig but Haller Ramirez was a big part of that 2013 turnaround. Yeah. All right. Uh let's see. We'll go through a couple of the fans and then we'll we'll give our favorite moments. Yep. Um, you know, we had a couple, we had one from Damien at the Rio D-Boy twelve, and we had one from at Mo Broad 22 talking about his moments with Bumgarner and you know, multiple moments, the Don't Look At Me game. Uh, the first time he hit the home run off him and, and they just kind of, he stared it down and boom, Gardner got mad, but nothing really happened. Then the other game was the don't look at me game. So those are always fun. Um, we'll talk about one that will probably lead into one of your favorite moments from Davey at love God, twelve zero zero two. He said, throwing runners out at third base. And I believe that's one of your favorite quick moments, the yeah. specific third base throw out.
0: Yeah. One of my top two is, uh, the game in Colorado, Trevor Story hit a ball off the wall in right field Puig thought he was going to have a chance to catch it so he ended up being right next to the wall when it hit the wall above where he could reach bounced back a little bit Puig hustled after it picked it up Trevor Story is very fast uh, but Yasiel Puig is very uh, good throwing and he fired it in perfect throw to Justin Turner at third base and Story just couldn't even believe what had just happened uh, it took a perfect throw and that's exactly what Puig did. It's, uh, maybe my favorite throw in baseball history. There's some pretty cool throws that we've seen. Uh, the, the thing that makes it different for Puig for me is, you know, even like the Yoenis Cespedes throw at Angel Stadium that's famous when we threw out Howie Kendrick at the plate, A, that started because of an error on Cespedes and B, it was It was just a fly ball throw that happened to go to the right place. That's kind of, Cespedes has never impressed me much because uh, he really does. What impressed me about Puig is accuracy and arm strength are just impeccable. The ball always goes exactly where Yasiel Puig wants it to. He doesn't always want it to go to the right place, but it always goes where he means to throw it. And it's crazy impressive. You know, the Jose Guillen throw that's famous. Well, Jose Guillen, it it seems more like luck than anything else. Puig, it's just over and over again. These throws are just ridiculous. And you can tell it's a skill and not just a lucky throw. So that's what I love about Puig's arm.
1: Yeah, I mean, the accuracy was was deadly. And like I said, it wasn't always the right accuracy, but it was always accurate. Uh, we'll go through one from oh Anthony Irwin from Locked On Lakers, which if you guys are Lakers fans, check him out. Uh, he has the Puig flipping off the fans in Cleveland, which was a fun and not so fun time. Uh, <laughs> that Puig probably sh- shouldn't have done that. But, uh, you know, sometimes the fans get on your nerves. Yep. Uh, one, we talked about my favorite moment, or ar- ar- well, one of my favorite moments already, but Puig's debut, I was there. As uh, soon as they, you know, decided to call him up, I would have to go because I had been following him since they signed him out of Mexico, and I've always liked Cuban players. And then the fact that he was also a resident of Mexico made me like him a little more. So I had to, I had to be there. And yeah, that that first, am, I'm pretty sure he let off that game. He was the lead off, so he started the game with the with the hit, and then he ended the game with the throw out at first base, which was just ridiculous. And you know, I think. I don't know how many people in there knew him too, too much. I know he had a good spring that year, uh, but they definitely knew him after that game. And then the other part is also Michael's Michael Fernandez at Michael Oh four champ. His favorite moment is the game Four world series home run. Uh, it's a little bit of recency bias, but it was the moment where, you know, I don't think I've reacted to a home run like that. It was just the Dodgers were down to zero. I, my hopes going into the series weren't too high just because the Dodgers weren't playing well. The Red Sox were playing really well and they had played well the whole year. And to when he hit that home run, it was, you know, you thought it's going to be two, two. And who knows what's going to happen these last three games. The Dodgers have a chance. Like this is, if this, if they turn this around and they win this, this is Yasiel Puig's moment. And the moment that I felt he deserved from just from everything that happened over the, his time with the Dodgers and Obviously, it didn't end up working out because Ryan Matson and the bullpen, and a lot of other stuff happened after that, and the Dodgers ended up losing. But that game four home run, just that feeling at that time, was one of the probably one of the better feelings I've had as a Dodger fan in my in my entire life.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that one was awesome. I, it might not even be my favorite home run of Yasiel Puig's in the twenty eighteen postseason because that game seven of the NLCS. Uh, when Puig hit that home run, you know, the Dodgers were already ahead two to one, but the, the Brewers had been threatening just the previous half inning. There had been that great catch by Chris Taylor where Bellinger kind of leaped over Taylor as Taylor slid and caught the ball. Um, and that was to, to kill a rally. Uh, that was what they had a runner on second. So they had a tying run on second and Christian Yelich at the plate. And they, they bring in Julio Urias to pitch to Yelich and, uh, gets him 0-2, and then the third pitch, Yelich hits what looks like a game-tying double, and Taylor made the play. And so I was already kind of pumped from that, and then the Dodgers start uh, threatening against, you know, Sedeno and Jeffress. They get the runners on, and so then Puig comes up, and there was uh, – how many outs were there? Two outs. Um, but it was second and third, And so it's like, okay, Puig, just get a base hit. Let's get an insurance run or two. You know, Bellinger was on second, so you're thinking base hit with two outs is going to score two runs. Just, Just do something, Puig. And Puig gets a line drive, and my first thought was, sweet, two run double. And then the ball just kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going, and it got over the wall. And I didn't intend to, and I didn't plan it, but I cried. Because that was the moment I realized, the Dodgers are going back to the World Series. And after... 30 years of not going to the World Series, suddenly they're going for the second year in a row. And that moment, I actually, I I somehow ended up on the floor in my living room by the time the ball went over the fence. And then I ended up just burying my face in my couch and I was like shaking. So uh, that one, I don't know if it was the difference between watching it on TV and being at the game because I was at the game at the World Series. But for some reason, almost being, watching it on TV with my kids and my wife was... A different experience So I like that one Maybe even more
1: Yeah I mean that one was Was huge uh, I think Beef I think That home run I was the loudest I've ever been When a ball- when a home run I was hit uh, I was watching it In the Bay Area Actually When I was Finishing moving my stuff And I went to my- Go watch it with my cousin I was I had to watch it With another Dodgers fan Yeah. And I was like Well I hope your neighbors Aren't uh, <laughs> Aren't Annoyed Because that was Pretty loud to how we got right now Yep uh, all right, rounding it out, we had our pal Justin uh, Justin underscore Hickey. He talked about the 2013 season, which seems to be a popular one. And then the last one we have is from at Master Carlos with no vowels. He has the point tongue wagging when he slid into third base, and the that was NLDs right in the against the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, now Puig has said some stuff since he's left the team that has changed maybe some people's perspectives. Uh, and you know, today or yesterday, Andy McCullough came out with the article that can also change some people's perspectives. So, you know, just summarize Yasiel Peek's time as a Dodger and we'll, we'll end on that note from each of us.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Andy's article, it, it was great. You should read the article. Um, you know, I'm not as enamored of Andy as a lot of people are, but he's a good writer, and this is definitely a, a great article. It shows both sides of Puig. And one thing that really struck me is kind of the point of the article is the fans loved Puig, but the team and the front office had reasons that he was frustrating for them. And my main takeaway from the article was that doesn't need to change. I am really excited to be at Monday's game and stand up and cheer when Yasiel's name was name is called and when he comes to the plate at least the first time. Um, I actually bought better seats than my regular season seats because I want to be closer to Yasiel Puig for the game. I, I love Yasiel Puig, and I loved every minute, almost every minute of his time as a Dodger. And Andy's article doesn't change any of that for me, but it does make me... A little less sad that they traded him. I had already kind of accepted it, but when you see the reasoning behind it, this was not uh, a foolish move. This wasn't clearing space for Bryce Harper, which they then failed to do. This was uh, they felt they needed to trade Yasiel Puig. And when you read the article, it's hard to argue with that statement. I mean, it especially the the quotes and sometimes even more telling, the non-quotes from his former teammates. Uh, Yasiel Puig, you can tell they all either like him or really want to like him. Uh, it's not like he was a clubhouse cancer, but he. it was time for him to do something new. And so because of that, I do think the Dodgers are better off without him. Even if he hits 50 home runs this year and wins the MVP, I think the Dodgers are better off without him. Uh, not in a Bill Plashky sort of way, but in uh, they gave him six years of really trying their best, seven years, no, six years, yeah. of trying their best to get him to work within their system, not some arbitrary system. But I mean, when you look at, I mean, the fact is, according to that article, and it's hard to dispute it, the Dodgers maybe win the 2017 World Series if Yasio Puig believed in George Lombard's positioning charts. And that's hard pill to swallow. So it doesn't really change my feelings about Puig's time with the Dodgers, but it does change my feelings a little bit about his departure and I'm even more okay with it than I was.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much exactly how I felt after reading the article today. And even after the comments that he said he hadn't worked hard, but now he's in a contract year before he's when he said those that didn't it you know, it didn't really bother me be- because, well, it bothered me that he would say something like that, but in terms of me not liking him or it, it, changing my opinion of him, it really didn't because my opinion of him is based on the way he made me feel when he was playing and the way, you know, when he was doing things for the Dodgers and I can't go back and change how I felt in those moments because we, you can't go back and do that. Like when he would do th- the things that he did, it, you know, it, the emotions that came out were, were real and you can't change that. And I think with this article, like I said, I would already accepted the trade and I honestly haven't really, if he comes up on my timeline, I see it. But other than that, I haven't really you know, been following along how he's been doing with the Reds just because, you know, once the season starts, my focus is on the Dodgers. So, but seeing this, reading the article, you know, like I said, it, it was telling the non quotes were more telling. I think Seeger said something that Andy pretty much went around and was asking people for their favorite quick moments or whatever. And Seeger said he couldn't say it without bashing Peak uh, pretty much. And, you know, Kershaw didn't have a favorite quick moment, but he gave the answer, you know, he helped us win and he was part of, you know, six straight playoff runs and all that other stuff. It was a very
0: Kershaw answer.
1: Yeah. Very Kershaw answer. And, I think I think what did strike me a little bit was the way Jansen and Kike talked about it compared to Jock Seeger Kershaw, but that's just a sense of you know it's hard for those guys to relate to guys like Puig and and every, and other players that come from other countries because it is a different uh, experience and it is a different thing. Not that that excuses Puig from doing stuff like that was an article like ripping up defensive positioning and. Showing up late and any of that, but it, it's it's a different experience. So, like I said, the Dodgers gave him six years. They did all they could. They sent him down to the minors. They they had trades in place for him. They, you know, they benched him. They Roberts did a lot even of different.
0: admitted things. that he had a double standard and uh, you know, had different rules for Puig.
1: So yeah, so you know, it's not for lack of trying on their end, and it's a little bit of lack of trying on Puig's end, and. You know, if he feels he doesn't need to do those things or he feels he has a grasp of the game, then that's on him. But it, at the end of the day, it shouldn't come down to that battle if, and that's why, you know, things ended how they ended. And uh, hopefully, you know, I hope he still does well and I'm still rooting for him, but you know, his time as a Dodger for me, is still going to be a happy one. And like I said, I'll be in, I will be in the crowd tomorrow or tonight uh, cheering him on when he comes to bat. And that part won't change, and I think you know after after that game it'll be you know close that part and not worry about Puig anymore because you know I'm worried about the Dodgers.
0: Yep, he gave us happiness, and I will stand and cheer that tonight. And yeah, then we'll move on. And we've gone way too long, Vince.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, but I feel like uh, if you don't like it, then sorry. If you do like it, then you're welcome. Yeah, I mean that's just how that I think that's a fitting episode for Puig.
0: Yeah, we were a little All bit
1: right. late. Yeah. So uh thank you for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about probably Puig's reception if it goes if it doesn't go well, but more importantly to the team's success. We'll talk about Clayton Kershaw's perfect game and how me and Jeff celebrated that. Uh, and remember, you can subscribe to the show on the New Himalaya app or wherever you think will sound best, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, if there's another one that you use, let us know and we'll, we'll throw it in here. Um, if you like the show, make sure you show us, you subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that you know is a Dodgers fan that you have a favorite new podcast that you listen to and you want them to listen to. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. You can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Vince Samperio. If you want to, your voice heard, you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 323 863 LOCK. That's 323 863 LOCK. We are here every weekday morning, and you guys should be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to
0: listen. Have a good one. Snyder out. Say D. I say D O. D O D G E R S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los
1: Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.